In this week's episode, welcome to the vampire renaissance. Interesting, diverse, creative ways to use vampires are coming out of every nook and cranny. Guess we have to stop talking smack, huh? It's all happening now on Cover B. Hey everybody, welcome back to Cover B. Welcome back to Cover B, the podcast where we're serving up hot comic book reviews like a summons at CinemaCon. How's everyone doing? <laughs> Savage. <laughs> I, was, I was proud of that one. Oh, Olivia Wilde. That must have been awkward. I, yeah. <laughs> I don't understand people anymore. <laughs> to be perfectly honest. How's everyone doing? I hope you're having a good week. Uh, pretty light week for comics in terms of new things, but like hefty week for comics if you read a lot of Marvel stuff. Yeah. Marvel's just, their whole MO these days is just like wailing on you with a with products and then when you're all bruised and tired they're like oh, do you want we've got this new title coming out and you're like yeah give it you're already <laughs> in so much pain it can't make it any worse yeah, bring it on <laughs> whatever let's keep this thing going but we do have a couple to talk about first one coming out of image is uh bloodstained teeth number one this was written by christian ward uh with art by patrick reynolds <clears throat> bloodstained teeth it's a vampire book. Um, <laughs> you can't. I think we've reached. So. <laughs> I think we've reached vampire apotheosis. Is that the right term? <laughs> I guess. Where vampires became overdone and old hat. And now the only people really approaching vampires, though still ample, are people trying to do something different with it. Because yep. we still have a lot of vampire media coming out, but. I mean, all, I feel like we're talking about a new one every week. It all seems wonderfully <laughs> new, unique. So I promise I won't have to do a, a disclaimer every time we talk about a vampire book because maybe we're in the vampire renaissance. But yes, this is a vampire book. I, I spent like a year and a half dunking on vampire books. And now here we are. Well, because it was the vampire dark ages. Yeah. And now, and now... The Leonardos of the world have come to make it better. <laughs> Soon we'll get to that vampire vampire romantic period. That'll be nice. I'm not looking forward to the vampire industrial revolution. <laughs> <laughs> That's vampires in space. <laughs> or with like gears on their top hat or something. Steampunk vampires. Yeah. Isn't that just Lady Steampire. Mechanica? <laughs> That's a good point. That's Anyway, Bloodstained Teeth uh, takes some liberties with vampire lore, but still ultimately feels familiar. There are two different types of vampires. There are firstborns, which are people that are born vampire. No idea how they breed and spawn, but they're people who were born vampires. Uh, and then there are the turned, which they refer to as sips. Seems to be some sort of like derogatory term that they use, uh, not to be confused with simps. Which are a different type of parasite. Um, <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> the uh, firstborn natural, oh, natural vampires uh, don't really like the turned ones because they tend to be very 
rambunctious and they're the ones that are your typical like i need to feed please and are basically like feed hungry monsters uh though they retain their like humanity they're just the ones that like have the thirst you know um so they have put a they they restrict that happening they're like it's not gucci don't do it you know what i mean well, there is a firstborn vampire that has a lavish lifestyle and has made a nice little fortune for himself doing just that, turning a bunch of people and charging them money, yep. finding humans that want to live forever and want immortality and turning them and then making money off of it. He is eventually confronted uh, by the council, the like firstborn vampire head honchos who happen to be uh Bram Stoker uh and told hey you need to fix this and that's where this bright neon neo noir vampire story takes off is he's having to hunt down all of his sips and get rid of them t thoughts i enjoyed this one because it felt like like i don't even know how to describe it but it was fun. It was playful. It was kind of Blade-esque. Like, it's got, like, an action movie kind yeah. of vibe to it. It felt very, like, would be on TNT. And I, mm-hmm. I don't know. I enjoy when vampire stuff leans into the action because, it, like I think I've said on previous episodes, it gives you that, like, early 2000s nostalgia vibe of, like, when vampires all leaned into the very, like, kind of, like, live amongst humans, but then when there's war, it's, like, weird action scenes. Mm-hmm. And that that kind of gave me this, from the art and the vibe and the, like, confrontation and the bits of gore we had. Yeah. It has that vibe. It's got that, like, neon-esque mm-hmm. thing to it. And it just, it, it felt relatively, like, it's, like, kind of, like, you have to fix your mistakes. Very like movie guy over voice type of thing. Yeah. Like you could you could easily make an excellent trailer for this book. Yeah. It's it's a cool book. I I the use of color in this book is absolutely wild and amazing. I love it. Yeah. Like it's just so like gaudy yeah. and bright. And I you know, it's it's bright enough to be teetering on the verge of like a cyberpunk kind of thing like the typical Definitely. color scheme that you would normally associate with like cyberpunk like it doesn't get too washed out and feeling like 80s or very like miami you know vice city kind of colors but it is just very bright very in your face with the neon of it which is different for a vampire book you know, yeah vampire books are usually like dark and dreary because everything happens at night but this does make it feel like it's nighttime it does make it feel like a dark book yeah and everything in the book takes place at nighttime, but it's still just this very bright, like poppy. It's very contrasted artwork. Yeah. It's very like the darks are very dark and the lights are very light and there's a huge contrast there. Uh, and it's just, you know, it's a neo-noir crime thriller with vampires, which is cool and unique enough. And I, I think what really makes this one stand apart is that no one's really done a vampires wrapped up in hustle culture kind of thing you know what i mean like it's very it's very aware of the modern world it's very like set in 
being in today's world, which even when we have like modern vampire stuff, they the modernness of the world never really plays into, you know what I mean? Like it's it's right. not really like ever truly in your face, but you know, like one of the first purple pe- purples, one of the, <laughs> one of the first peoples that we see our main character turn is like an Instagram model who immediately goes and, you know, starts posting about it online and is yeah. going to do a live feeding and stuff like that. And so it's it's very aware of how modern it is. And it doesn't do a lot, admittedly, to expand the vampire genre or the vampire lore. Like, you've got... We've talked about how vampire stories always end up being, like, two kinds of things. Like, either just a take on zombies or, like, the secret society in the background. Right. And this is very much the secret society in the background. It doesn't really do a whole lot to expand on that. The sips are you know kind of close ish to the zombies but they're just your normal like it's been two days and i'm a fed i gotta go feed kind of like thirst crazed humanoids and like you know they're subservient to the elder vampires and they're they work as like familiars and so it's you know it's very familiar lore but it's just an interesting story to tell in like the vampire lore itself is taking more of like a setting yeah as opposed to the story is going to be about the lore and that's one of the things i really liked is that it it what like ran through the like initial like description of the world and the backstory of our guy and like bringing in the context of everything very quickly, very efficiently. It didn't dawdle on anything. It was like, this is what the people are. This is the vampires. These are two kinds of vampires. This is what this dude's doing. This is how it could be a bad thing. This is why he's going to get in trouble. Cool. We got through all of that nonsense. Next book, we're going to be doing the thing about the actual the actual plot of this book. Yeah. And it's like, okay, cool. You didn't, like, we've talked a lot on this show about how we hate when books don't get to what the book is supposed to be about. Mm -hmm. And by the end of the first book, you're like, I have no idea what this is supposed to be. I, you did nothing. This didn't do that. By the end of this book, I knew exactly what I'm getting into in the next book. And I like that. It was good. It was really, really cool. I've been excited about this one since solicitation and it really delivered. So I'm happy about that. Uh, Finally, last one we want to talk about just two this week. Uh, this is Vermilion number zero. I think it's technically a one shot. Uh, it might continue. I don't know. I haven't looked into that too deep. But Verm- Vermilion number zero, uh, written and drawn by Brow. Uh, just to preface, this one is intense. Whew. It is very <laughs> sexy, very adult. It is also very hard and very painful. Uh, so take that in mind. Trigger warning. There's a lot to unpack. This was written and uh, this was conceived, I guess, uh, by the creator in a response to his emotional connection with two songs from Slipknot. Uh, He apparently ruminated on these songs for a very, very long time and ended up coming up with a very personal story. And you can feel a lot of that personal drive in it. It's kind of hard to give a synopsis for this story. On the surface, we are taking the POV of an individual that is picking up an attractive woman at a bar, going back to her place, and things are happening. And then it gets darker and darker as time goes by. Who the identity of the person we are inhabiting 
like what their identity is is kind of obscure and kind of uh kind of symbolic possibly or you know it's it's hard you get to a point in this book where it's hard to determine what is literal and what is metaphorical yeah and it's possible that the whole thing is metaphorical and that none of it is meant to be literal but it is like i said it's an intense ride that <laughs> plays with a lot of different emotions in the reader everything from you know the sexy side of it and the lustful side of it to the painful and interpersonal connection side of it uh it's a wild ride t thoughts <sighs> this book was a lot mm-hmm. um it is super dark it's very foreboding it's very emotional. It's very uncomfortable. Um, I praise it for what it does and what it strives to do. Um, the art is quality. I think it definitely gets across what it's trying to get across. Um, I think it definitely creates the emotions that it's trying to evoke. So, you know, it's impressive from a standpoint that I think the author did exactly what they were trying to do. So like props and kudos to that regard on the other end of the spectrum. This is not for the faint of heart Mm -hmm. as someone who regularly reads Archie comics. This was a (laughs) lot for me. Um, It's a little, not, not fully, but like a hint on the pornographic Mm -hmm. and there's, some intense gore, even more so than what you necessarily expect. And body there's, horror. There's body horror. There's mm-hmm. some creature stuff that happen. It's it's a lot. It's a lot to process. And the the dialogue or the narration is also very like overwhelming at times. Like the way things are said and articulated, it's like it make it gives you that icky feeling. Yeah, and it's it's possible that the I haven't. So these are based on songs. This is based on songs by the band Slipknot. Uh, I'm not a huge Slipknot fan, so I didn't take it upon myself to go and uh, listen to the songs. I think they're just Vermilion Part 1 and Vermilion Part 2. So it's possible that the narration plays into those and is an homage to those. I'm not sure. But yes, the narration is very... uh, intense and takes a very extreme tonal shift around the time that the book does what i love about this book is it's simultaneously very specific and personal but also very open to interpretation like you can tell the artist the creator really has and and he even says in his afterwards really has a emotional connection and a historical connection to the events of this book yeah um that said people can take away what actually happens and relate their own sort of emotional trauma trauma, baggage experiences (laughs) uh into the book itself and get what they need out of it and i think that's really impressive to be able to tell such an emotional story that feels very specific like, you kind of, like, I realized that going into it is I was reading it one way as one thing happening. And then I kind of thought about it, and I was like, but it could have been this, it could have been this, it could have been this, you know? So yeah. you're, it, because it's such an evocative and emotive piece, you 
whatever is initially triggered is how you're going to read it. So yeah. whatever triggers first, that's going to be your lens that you use. But your personal trigger could be different from everyone else's. For that reason, trigger warning, uh, self-harm, trigger warning, mm -hmm. potentially SA. Mm -hmm. um, it, there's a lot that it could be read as. Yeah. And, and so that's just the thing. be it's prepared. Like, all of those things are non-specific. Like all of those things. You don't see explicitly any of those things happen. Correct. And so it's it's very it's 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 just nice having a very open for interpretation kind of symbolic piece. Yes. We don't see that a lot in comics. Comics as a medium tends to be very much about directing the reader in a certain way. Because you're using two senses <clears throat> unlike reading like a paperback yeah. or watching you, a movie you have to a avoid like a ludo narrative <laughs> dissonance wherein the art shows one thing but the narrative doesn't unless that's what you're going for and you also just have to make sure that any panels that are free of action or minimalist in action or where the narration's doing its own thing but the action's doing its own thing are clear for the reader yeah so it's it's often a lot about signposting and really getting a clear like this is what's going on kind of thing going yeah and this is very symbolic and very open for interpretation and very metaphorical. And it's intense. I loved it. I thought it was really, really good. I definitely do not think it's for everybody. No. I mean, the good thing about this one, compared to sometimes with these very intense books, uh, is when you look at the cover, you'll probably get an idea of if it's going to be the type of book for you. That's true. Uh, which is cool. But uh, it's... This was really good. I I don't have, like, I know it's going to, like, and there are going to be people that are offended by this book. Like, I, I know it because of certain reads that you can make yes, into this book. definitely. And there are going to be people that just generally don't like it. And that's mm -hmm. fine. Those are all valid Interpretations. things to have. So I, <laughs> I say this knowing that there are going to be people that, like, violently disagree with me about this book but it's an incredible book it's a very artistic very well delivered emotional piece and i think it was really really well done i think that's an important point of this is that sometimes you have to remember that a lot of the time comics are created to be media to be made for consumption to be made to get from point yep. a to point b this is not that type of book this is an art piece. This yep. is intended to evoke emotion, evoke feeling, it was serving, and to articulate yeah. what the author creator's yep. needs were. It was serving purpose for a, for the creator, and it is what they wanted to share mm -hmm. with the community. Yep. And not necessarily distinctly created for the idea of sales and consumption. Yep. Uh, so if it's not for you, it's not for you. No worries. And that's totally okay. Hey, I get that. Go read some freaking Archie. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no hell yeah go read some archie archie's awesome <laughs> yeah i'm just not that judgmental that'd be crazy if i was just like if you don't read this book you're stupid go read this book or go read something dumb like superman <laughs> just like every episode i'm just ragging on things people love well what would be even funnier is that nine times out of the ten the things that people rag on is the type of stuff that I adore. <laughs> <laughs> It'd just be funny. 
Like we're doing like a, a real extra for the Batman movie, and I'm like, yeah, the Batman was good, you know, unlike the comics or something like that. Like, if you mean? like Batman, I guess. <laughs> if you if you like that kind of dumb superhero crap, I love superhero crap. I read a lot of it. Don't take this seriously. <laughs> this is all hypothetical. Wouldn't it be funny if I was a stuck up d bag? Anyway, Vermillion number zero. I hope he does more. I really, really do. I'd like to see more coming out of this creator, and I think Behemoth is a great imprint for him to be on. Yeah, it's a good avenue. Uh, to do this kind of stuff, because, you know, like we've mentioned in the past with them, they're a metal label. Like, they're a music label that yeah. does a lot of metal. I think they actually do Slipknot stuff. Um, and, uh, though don't quote me on that, because I don't know 100%. Uh, but... You know, so as they come out with more things that are like, like, that's what we said about heavy metal drummer is like, it fits so well because they're a metal label, but it doesn't feel like the cliche, like death apocalypse kind of like everything's pointy and, you know, skulls and bats and like that kind of thing. Metal apocalypse. I mean, not death apocalypse. <laughs> There's kids in their TV show. <laughs> <laughs> um but you know what i mean like it's it's still very metal yeah if it, it, it's it's nice to see things come out that are like this is metal it doesn't always have to be this way you know what i mean sometimes yeah. it can be sexy and sometimes it can be like really emotive and dark and depressing it's not yeah. all about like anger and rage and darkness you know yeah uh so it's cool i like it i'm here for it heck yeah that's going to do it for us. Yes. Uh, if you want more episodes of Cover B and see some of the books that we've talked about in the past, you can find them on our website, thecoverbepodcast.com. That's right. And if you want to follow us on social media, I have been bad about the social media. I'm sorry. I'll go vlog myself later for it. My apologies. <laughs> but you can find us on social media at Cover B Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Yes, indeed. Hope everyone has a good weekend. Uh, enjoy the last few days of April before we move into May, which when is crazy. the heck did April go? Get out there and do something fun. Get out there and see a fun movie. Uh, just enjoy yourself. As always, I have been Chris. This has been T. Yep. And you have been listening to, to Cover, Cover B. B. Bye, everybody.